Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joel. If you guys haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up. And make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's going on, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Like always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob. And you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Now let's meet our guest for today. First, we got Quake. What's up, what's up, what's up? This is the underscore Earthquake3 on Twitter. Uh, Give me a follow and uh, watch out for uh, new episodes of this pod. And then right after that, we got George. What's good, guys? And just like that, we got our crew for today. So let's get started with today's episode and talk about this last game for the Heat, which was against none other than the Toronto Raptors. Miami won by five, which helped improve their record to 28-16, and 16, while being just half a game away from being the best team in the Eastern Conference. Leading the way, you got Tyler Hero with 23 points, four rebounds, three assists, and two steals. Jimmy Butler with the triple-double, he had 19 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. Gabe Vincent, who started in this game, he had 15 points, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. And then the returning Bam Adebayo with 14 points and 9 rebounds. With that being said, what's on y'all mind after watching the Heat snatch another victory? Kick us off quick. I think Bam's return is the number one takeaway. Uh, He didn't shoot well. He only shot four for 12, but uh, he did pull down nine rebounds. He hit uh, two key free throws at the end of the game with over eight seconds left to make it a two-possession game. And defensively, he was everywhere last night. Uh, He showed why when uh, it was reported that he was going to be out for a month or so, why I called him the Heat's most important player. Um, he may not be the best player, but he is the most important in terms of this team's uh, long-term success, play, uh, postseason success. And everything that we saw last night was indicative uh, to that point. Right. And how about you, George? Yeah, no, it's it's just so exciting, exciting to get um, players back, back in the swing of things. Um, Spolch is going to have a really hard time trying to figure out the rotation now. Um, he's got some key decisions to make with Dwayne Dedman and Amir. He's got, you know, Caleb and, you know, Max Struess coming off the bench. He's going to start there. He's going to, you know, take most of the minutes there. Um, but the biggest thing from yesterday's game was just how good defensively we looked when we wanted to be with Bam coming back. And he's just 
what an enforcer he's been for us just over the years. And you don't realize how much you miss it, but he's the biggest, most important player, in my opinion, when it comes to anything that this team's got to do defensively and offensively as well. He, he frees up so much space for so many good players. Um, Duncan looked comfortable. Like he only had eight points, went three of six, but my God, did he look comfortable, you know, rolling the screen, you know, getting over the screens with, um, with Bam. He, he just, he looks at home and, and Bam, Bam walks right back in the rotation after six weeks out and looks like he had missed a beat. Now the stats weren't there offensively here. He did struggle, but <clears throat> excuse me, when you, um, when you've got this much pressure on you and you're also recovering from a wrist injury, uh, that, that he's just, just been repaired. It's, it's expected, you know, you're not going to have the shooting touch you once had. It, it's just about getting those um, shots up, getting the repetitions in and seeing what happens there. But it's just a good, a good sight to have everyone back. Everyone played really well. I thought Gabe Vincent played very well as well, but he apparently he had the worst plus minus on the team as well. So that it's just it's just a matter of fact that you've got to do more things to just score to be good on this team. Hero had a spectacular performance as well. Really lifted us when we needed to as well. Jimmy, he's already tied LeBron James um, as the Heat's most triple-doubled player in history. And he's played about 100 less games than him as well. So Jimmy's been... Nothing short of brilliant for us, for us as well. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's the time to really grind the season out. A lot of injuries for a lot of the other teams as well. Time to capitalize on that, get the standings up, and and see where this team is headed. Right, I agree a hundred percent. You know, and like it's yeah, I love that both of you guys brought up Bam because that's what I want to talk about right now, and I want to talk about what Heat fans everywhere were talking about before the game and after the game. And that was just simply seeing Bam take the floor after missing those 22 games. So with that being said, like, how did it feel for you guys to see him on the floor last night? This time you can start us off, George. You know, as as I was saying, he's just, he he brings a certain energy to this team as well. Even made Udonis Haslam um, hold up a sign saying, welcome, welcome back, Bam, at the start of the game as well. So it's always good to see. But he's so crucial to this team on and off the court as well. In the locker room, you bring so much happiness, so much energy and vibe to this team that you can't replicate. You can't replicate at all. He was, you know, the underdog coming in. We drafted him. And um, he he was the, the long-term, you know, project that worked out for us. And it didn't take that long either. He just was under Whiteside, came in. I thought I didn't, I didn't know why we picked another center, but knowing this center would be one of the top centers in the NBA, and so important to this team is just so so good to see. But the way he works with the other players is where like where I'm very happy about as well because he just brings such a fluidity to the team. Defensively, he can run, he can he can swat, he can play some of the best on ball D you'll find. And offensively, he brings another element because it frees up guys on the perimeter, um, and also gets his shot going because if they're 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 cooking and they're guarding the perimeter, he goes to to work in the paint, does it every week. Week in, week out. But you saw, especially without him there, we were missing... Spolstra was dialing in on certain aspects of the game that you need to be able to just rely on your plays with. He was bringing certain lineups in defensively. But Bam's that player that you can put in any lineup, regardless of what you're trying to achieve, and he'll get the job done. I'm surprised he actually played 32 minutes of the game. But, you know, 
I'm happy to see that he can actually handle the load in his back. And yeah, I just, you can't overstate how good he's been for us over the years and how much he's going to continue being good, good for us. Right. And how about you quick? Well, you know how I feel. I was excited um, to see, to see Bam back in the lineup. Uh, I think before he got injured, there were two uh, sects of Heat fans. There was, there was the camp that said that Bam wasn't being aggressive enough uh, rightfully, but there was also the camp that was, you know, discrediting any contribution you made to the team whatsoever, uh, you know, because they thought that uh, he was being passive and, you know, things of that sort. So uh, while Bam was out, I'm not sure how much those particular people saw his value to the team, given that uh, the team was obviously still winning. But I think that uh, in a potential Eastern Conference final versus Milwaukee, I think then I think the whole fan base is going to be singing Bam's praises because um, if any if we've seen anything through the three Milwaukee games, or it's the fact that uh, Bam is still uh, the best Giannis defender in the NBA, so that's going to be a key uh, swing factor as to whether the Heat win the East this year or not. Right, and George, do you have something you want to add to this? Yeah, no, it's it's really important to to you know emphasize how good this guy can be when he's healthy. You know, he's our Giannis stopper. He's when when we play key matchups like the Nets, like the Bucks. You know, Kevin Durant and Giannis are the most two of the most unguardable players you've ever seen in your lifetime. Yeah, they have to be because if they're not, then you've got your list wrong. But Bam plays in such a way that doesn't matter one through five, he'll shut everyone down. Now he's that's scary as a player. When you're guard, when you're getting guarded by him, you're getting locked up by him. It's it's so impressive to see that a guy that averages, you know, close to the numbers of, of what you'd expect, but not even as good at 18, 10 and three that he brings so much more to the floor than, than what meets the eye. But that on ball pressure is what Spolstra wants is what Spolstra needed when Whiteside was in the lineup um, that, that he wanted him to do, but just couldn't. And he's done everything like that and more. I think the more the, the, the way you've got to look at it now is who you're going to compliment him with in the starting lineup, whether it's going to be PJ Tucker, which is my personal pick because you get another guy who literally shut down Giannis by himself this year when both Jimmy and Bam were out. And you also get someone that's leading the league in, in three-point percentage and one is one of the best corner shooters you'll ever see in your life. So it's just the, the matter around getting him back to normal, which won't be too long, but it's also about complimenting the player that um, that goes that, that's beside him and the one that comes after him. If it's going to be Omir or Deadman depending on who you start as well. But, but yeah, look, it's just, it's one of those things. It's a wait and see situation. Can't take too much out of this game because, you know, he was coming back from injury. Those, those numbers will go up, but yeah, you won't see him, you know, shoot the ball less than 15, 20 times. That's what you want him to take 15 shots a game. You want to see your big man take 15 shots a game and anything less would be a disservice to him and the team. So yeah, it's just about fitting the system, getting back into the swing of things, and yeah, seeing what comes from it. Right, and like, quick, do you have something that you want to add? Uh, not at the moment, no. Uh, so, honestly, you know, and basically you guys summed it up perfectly. I mean, to have Bam back and, you know, 
Obviously, he was a little rusty, but that's what you'd expect from him after being gone for that much time. You know, he's going to play a huge role for this team, especially if it's when it's time for the playoffs. You know, Quake, you brought up a really good point about potentially having to play the Bucks, And we know how much of a threat Bam has been to Giannis. So to have him back, you know, I feel like Heat fans everywhere should not take this man for granted anymore and should honestly be grateful about how much of the impact that he has on this team. So, you know, it was great to see Bam back. And now I want to change the topic to something that's caught my eye as of lately. And a lot of people have been acknowledging this, especially last night. And that's the current depth of this Heat team. Being more than halfway through this season, do you guys believe that this Heat team is deep enough to potentially win a championship? Or do you guys think a couple changes could be made to put this team over the top? What's your take, Quake? Well, I find it I found it funny how uh, after the Sixer game, Doc Rivers said that he's pissed off that the Heat keep getting these guys uh, from the G League and whatnot. And I think that really speaks to the amount of depth that is on this team currently. Um, I don't know necessarily that it's the deepest Heat team ever, as some fans I've seen have said, but I do know that it's deeper than any of the big three teams. Uh, the big three teams uh, were carried by three superstars plus uh, two defensive pests and Chalmers and Cole at point guard, as well as Ray Allen and a couple of shooters. Um, but this Heat team really has guys who can dribble, pass, and shoot uh, throughout the whole roster. Uh, Jimmy Bam, uh, Kyle Guy, who we picked up from the G League, Omer, uh, Max Struess, Hero, you name it. So this is a very deep team. Now, I do think that the team can be improved. Um, I think Duncan Robinson is the number one trade chip that this team does have presently. And I think that given the emergence of Max Struess and Kyle Guy, who looks to be an, an, an NBA player, um, it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't happen this season to see Duncan Robinson flipped during the offseason, preferably for a long-term solution at the power forward position, given that uh, P.J. Tucker is 35 years old, effective at 35 years old, but nevertheless 35 years old. So this is a very, very deep team. Um, at some positions, the team goes three deep, but I do think that um, – Again, Duncan Robinson is the guy to watch out for in any potential trade scenario. Ray, and how about you, George? For me personally, this this team, like, like I said, is, is like you guys have said, is the deepest team this this franchise has ever seen. There's no, you know, and no end ifs or buts about it. There's, you've got guys coming off the bench, playing starting roles on on a night to night basis, who have just who look like they met, were meant to be starters. Like Max Struess in the stretch of those games that he started was one of the most phenomenal things I've seen. But he came in nearly averaging 22 points a game. For a guy that was cut from roster to roster, we picked him up and turned him into a player that has this confidence now. You saw it in Summer League. You saw it throughout the, the start of this season that they're meant to be NBA players. And 
So really good ones at that. Gabe Vincent looking like a really good option off the bench. He's he's the best backup point guard that this team could hope for. Now, can I do I think that this team could be improved? Absolutely. There's too much depth, in my opinion, at the guard position. I think that when you've got players like Duncan, Gabe Vincent, Hero, Struess, these players all require time. Now, the problem with that is there's only so much minutes going around. And if you're playing too guard heavy, you're sacrificing a lot of other things on the floor. So I've come up with one one trade target for a team that looks to be um, you know, really struggling this year with injuries and, and, and continuity and, and everything. And that's Robert Covington. Robert Covington is an extremely gettable player on a very uh, manageable contract from a team in Portland that looks like they really could use the um, could use the help. Now, do I think that he'll go quietly? Absolutely not. I don't think that Portland likes to deal um, players at their best of times, but if they're looking at a player that can really give you as much defensively as they can offensively, and that's Rob, that's Robert Covington. When you look at PJ Tucker, what he's done for us in the short time that he's been with us, is give us this double-edged sword, this double kick of defense to offense. And it looks, it's the most beautiful thing to see when, when your role players are complemented perfectly to your stars. And that's what PJ is. So if I'm looking to move Duncan, it's for a contract for someone that's trying to win now. With with Duncan, the problem with him is that as much as I love him as a player, and I really, really do, I was so happy you know, when he started the flourish as a player and turned into one of the best three-point shooters in the league. The problem with giving him this massive contract is it comes with all the pressure of, of not no longer being the undrafted player, but the draft of the, the, the player that just got paid. Now, when they put that title next to anything, it comes with a massive amount of, of added pressure and, um, you know, and, and it commands a lot more respect from defenders. And you've seen it in his performances this year. When you see these, um, these stretch, these, these streaky shooting nights, it's very, um, it's it's hard to see. And the entire offense needs to be on his toes, trying to figure out how to get him open. And, and it really takes away from the game that others could be playing. So if I'm looking to move, I'm not saying he's a negative asset, but I'm saying someone on a pretty good contract. It's a long contract, but it's a good salary wise to be moved for a guy like Robert Covington would probably be the perfect move because as good as Caleb Barn has been, he's still undersized at six, five. Um, and he, I know Spo how much he loves that small ball lineup where he plays him at the power forward position, but against bigger teams, teams that actually have a lot of center depth and, and, really tall forwards and good forwards, then it's, it's just hard to see. You, you saw it against the Cavaliers when we versed a team with literally five centers that when, we're, when we were deficient of players, they, they ran rampant at us. They absolutely destroyed us in the paint. And it's so hard to see when you've got, well, that's back when it was uh, Deadman with um, Yurt coming off. But then we, when Deadman got hurt and we versed him again with Omer by himself, it was just too hard to see. So if I'm flipping anybody, it's Duncan Robertson, um, giving more minutes to, to Struist and, and to, to Martin in the guard positions, but bringing in a guy like with the veteran pedigree of, of Robert Covington, an ex-teammate of Peter Tucker's as well. You've got to really you know, respect that. If the Heat are going to make a move, it's probably going to be for a veteran like that. Ray and Quake, I know you got something you want to add. Yeah, uh, building off what uh, George said. Uh, the guard position on our team is is this deep without Victor Oladipo. Um, 
when he comes back, that that adds all an entirely new dynamic, but also a, a new conundrum in terms of who to play, how many minutes to play them, and things of that sort. And uh, aside from that, one name that I was well before I before I address that one name, I personally don't think that Duncan Robinson is going to be traded this season. I think if any trade with him happens, it's going to be in the off season. Now, one name that comes to mind when thinking of a trade for this team, a minor trade, uh, is Nicola Batum of the Los Angeles Clippers. If it's true that the Clippers are selling pieces, as has been rumored, then uh, Batum would, would make a lot of sense for the Heat, primarily because he only makes $3 million. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't take but so much to match salary in order to acquire him. And he would give us a 6'8 wing who we can throw at the Kevin Durant's of the world, the DeMar DeRozans of the world, and players of that sort in the playoffs. We can save P.J. Tucker for bigger, stronger uh, fours, and it, it really just adds to our uh, rotation defensively. So if it's true that the Clippers are looking to move off pieces, Batum is one guy that I would have my eyes on if I were the Heat. Right. And, George, how about you? Do you want to add on to that? Yeah, I want. I just want to ask the forgiveness of um all the very loyal Oladipo fans that actually forgot about him. It 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 just adds to the point that the shooting guard position is way too deep. It's there's there's a point where you can be very deep and too deep. Now Spo can really manage that because he loves those small small ball lineups. But if Oladipo comes back and he's playing anywhere near healthy, you're gonna have to give him 25, 28 minutes a night minimum. And that's taking them the absolute Mickey out of the half the players in this roster who really, really deserve it because you're cutting minutes from who? Duncan Robinson only played 17 minutes last night. Gabe Vincent, maybe, who played 27, but that's never going to happen again. Probably when everyone's healthy and back into to working order. But I suppose he's never going to run 10 deep, 12 deep, 11 deep. He's never going to do that. He, he ran 10 deep last night and it was hard enough to see because as much as he was trying to split minutes because of Bam's, uh, Bam's uh, return, Jimmy's existing injuries, PJ's age, there's only so many minutes that go around. So if Oliver comes back healthy, who, who knows, he might even be a starter on this team, but I don't need to, you know, I say it again, it's a hard position that Spolster is going to have to be in. He's going to have to work really hard with the front office to make it work. But if he does make it work, it's going to make us that much better of a team as well. Right, and Quake? To your point, George, about not going 11 to 12 deep, which no playoff team uh, would do, you know. Um, I think I've been saying it in the chat. I'm not sure that when he comes back, Markeith Morris, honestly, is going to be able to reenter the rotation at this point. Um, I personally envision a 10-man rotation. I see a starting lineup of Lowry, Duncan, Jimmy, PJ and Bam, and then a bench of uh, of uh, Oladipo, Hero, Struth, uh, Caleb, and uh, Deadman. I think that rotation uh, mixes well with what Spo wants to do at both ends. Uh, you have Caleb uh, for def- for perimeter defense. Uh, Struth is too good to to uh, take out of the rotation. I don't see Duncan being benched because I think there's just too much trust 
with Spo uh, in Duncan, you know, being that Duncan has been a player who has been uh, in, integral to the Heat uh, for longer than, than just this season, obviously. So I don't see uh, Duncan being benched, given that he was just yesterday reinserted into the starting lineup. So uh, at max, I see a 10-man rotation. And it's going to be – it's difficult because, you know, Omer at 7 was playing extremely well, uh, especially in terms of rebounding. Gabe Vincent has proven to be a competent backup point guard. But at the end of the day, there's only uh, so many minutes to go around. And typically, playoff coaches don't even play 10 players. They typically uh, stay at 9, sometimes even 8. But in this case, I think 10 is the sweet spot. I think that's the perfect number. And then, uh, George, you got anything you want to say about that? Yeah, no, it's just I, – I think this team's perfect, like can be perfect the way it is. It's just that it's just Spolster's game to play now because if he's going to – he's going to coach his ass off to, to make sure that we actually get this, um, you know, this, this lineup in working order. But I just feel like if we were to get that one more f- forward, that could really give us the push. It's going to be someone like PJ Washington or or Rocco as well, but yeah, look, it's 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 probably not going to happen. But Pat's really not going to make any moves if we were just talking realistically. But if it does happen, then those are the players I want to see. Right, and then like so, also like I want to ask you, George, because I know Quake, you brought this up. So, and you gave your opinion on it. Like so, George, who do you like? What do you think the rotation would be for the Heat? Yeah, it's it's Lowry, uh, Duncan, Jimmy, PJ, and and Bam. If we're talking completely healthy, uh, we've got our six man of the year in in Tyler Hero. I'd like to see him start in the playoffs. I know it's it's it, it would probably won't happen because we're not going to contradict his role at the end of the season and risk what he's producing now. But the only factor is Oladipo because if Oladipo comes back and he's playing way too good to, to bench in place in terms of defense and, and, you know, him cutting and shooting the three, if he does it even particularly well, you'd want to start him, especially in the playoffs. If you're running a lineup of Lowry, Aldipo, Jimmy, PJ, Bam, who's scoring? Who's, who's scoring on them? Absolutely no one. Maybe the point guard, because Lowry is a bit old. He's getting up there, but there's no one scoring on that, that starting lineup. But, if we're putting Duncan in there, it's going to go Tyler Six Man, Old Depot, Caleb Martin because of de- his defense and shooting as well has been fantastic. Um, Dwayne Dedman and Gabe Vincent, which pushes Max Struess back to the eleventh spot, which is hard to see, but he'll he'll play into changing minutes with Martin as well, depending on if we need more offense or defense. But Gabe Vincent as well is another factor because. If we're going to cut another guy out of the rotation, it's probably not going to be Old Depot. If he comes back healthy, it's going to be Gabe Vincent. So, yeah, that's that's my opinion. I well, do I think it, that's it, it? Do I think it's going to work? I don't know, but it's definitely the most likely lineup. If I'm looking at you know prior seasons and what uh, Spolster expects from his team, but yeah, it's it's never going to run eleven deep. We're lucky if they reach nine deep. You know, it's just going to happen the way it happens, but. It just depends on Jimmy's health, Bam's health, Lowry's health, and Tucker's health because some of them are getting up there in age. Some of them have pre-existing injuries. But, but yeah, look, 
I think the rotation will be sort will basically sort itself out by the by the end of the All Star break. You know, a few weeks in after the All Star break as well, you'll see a more solidified roster. There won't be so many changes, barring injuries, touch wood, um, for what we're going to see. But yeah, it won't be a big surprise coming to the playoffs. Right, and you know, we basically, you know, that was basically what both of you guys said was a hundred percent. You know, I agree because at the end of the day, you know, I'm looking back at this whole with the rotation thing. You guys brought up good points, and I do want to see where Spo decides to go with it, especially when we talk about this team's depth and how we got a lot of good pieces on this team. And regarding, like, a trade taking place, it is interesting because, you know, um, George, you brought up P.J. Washington, and then um, Quake, you brought up Nicholas Batum. Like, there are a lot of good names out there. And, you know, I've it's interesting because I feel like with this season and especially with this pod, we haven't really talked about trades that much compared to last season because last season was a mess, you know. So it seemed like it was something that we talk about every episode because it's like a trade's got to happen. So the fact that I feel like in this episode that this is probably one of the rare times this season where we're actually talking about transactions and all that, I think this just tells you how good of a team this really, this Heat team really is right now. But, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. But now I want to change the topic up. And that's to discuss none other than the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. Um, You guys know how the segment works. So seeing the way how the Heat have played going 3-1 and this past week, tell us who your Spotlight Heat Player of the Week is. You can start us off quick. Uh, Yeah, Haywood Highsmith. Uh, (laughs) No, no, it's uh, Omer. (laughs) Omer, you're at seven. He's a hell of a rebounder. And uh, despite his uh, flaws uh, as, you know, as a defender in space, I think his, uh, you know, his ability to crash the boards and score has caught the attention of everybody around him. It's caught Jimmy's attention. It's caught the attention of opposing coaches, Doc Rivers, especially. And I think that uh, despite the fact that he wasn't in the rotation yesterday, with uh, Deadman and Bam both being back, I think that he's shown that eventually he's going to factor into this team in a big way. So I'm going to go with uh, Omer here at seven. Right. And before I pass the mic to you, George, I also want to acknowledge that even Shaq was starting to acknowledge how good Omer is. But um, yeah, George, you got anything you want to do? Who like who's your spotlight? Heat player of the week. For me, it's a it's a. It's a tie, in my opinion, between Kayla Martin and Tyler Hero. You know exactly what you're going to get from Tyler Hero. He's just been so consistent for us, barring the Sunday game against Philly, that we did what we do not talk about it because it was a terrible game and it will never happen again. I'm just joking. But we just, you got to play it game by game, but he's been phenomenal for us. Over his last five games, it was 33 points, 21, 24, 16, and 23 all off about 49% shooting and and about 50%, about 43% from three. So you're taking every, if you take all of his offense into consideration, coming off the bench, that's ridiculous. For a guy that looks like he, he knows he wants to start, he wants to try and earn his role. He's doing, he's doing it the right way because he's giving Spolstra headaches by not starting him. And I understand that 
he's doing this because he's on the bench and because his role's changed up, it's giving him the confidence to do what he wants. I feel like it takes the pressure off his shoulders a little bit more as well. But over the last week, he's played phenomenal for us. He's still averaging, you know, 20, 21 points a game off the bench. He's our sixth man. And yeah, he takes half of the award. The other half is Caleb Martin because for a guy <clears throat> who was coming in as just an extra, defensive prowess is just so so hard to find with these guys because you've you've picked him up. He's already very good athletically, but to put everything together and to really, you know, dial in on trying to be the best player he can be, he's he's done it. He's done it really, really well because, you know, he, he over the last week, he's had 10 points, 18, 2, 16, and 6. And consistently, he's been one of the best players on the floor by far, top three every week. And from a guy coming off the bench and playing close to no minutes, he's like, he went from uh, averaging like 12 minutes a game at Charlotte to then over the last week, he's averaged, he's got 30, 33, 21, 17, 21. For a guy to come in and take a real massive chunk of the rotation and to do something with it is nothing short of spectacular. So those are my double uh, heat plays of the week. Right. And for me, you know, I'm going to take a different route and I'm going to go with Jimmy Butler. You know, this past week he made his return and, you know, I love the Hawks game specifically because, you know, just to see him come back and I'm talking about what was it? I believe it was the second game. Correct. If I'm if I'm being correct right now. um, Yo, <laughs> so I'm reading the chat right now. But yeah, I know Jimmy did not have a good game against Philly. But, you know, if you look back at um that game against Houston, it, I mean, see, you're, you're distracting me, George. Come on now. Uh, if you look back at that game against Atlanta, like just to see him back on the floor and make that dagger of a layup, you know, with that left hand, it was just great to see. And seeing how hyped up he was, it was just it was great because, you know, obviously we were scared when he first went down a couple weeks back against Golden State. So to see him, you know, continue to bring that energy that we know he's so capable of bringing in everything, you know, it's just such a great sight to see. And then, you know, this last game, he went and got the triple-double. And, you know, I'm always going to be a Jimmy Butler stand no matter what. So I don't even give a frick that he had a bad game against Philadelphia. It was just a fluke loss. Just move on and, you know, who cares? So... Anyways, to everyone that's watching this pod on uh, Five Reasons, um, the Five Reasons Sports Network YouTube channel, we'd love to hear who your Spotlight Heat Player of the Week is. So feel free to comment down below and tell us who your Spotlight Heat Player of the Week is. So before we close this pod out, it's only right that we talk about this upcoming game for the Heat, and that will be none other against the Trailblazers. The last time these two teams played, Miami took care of business in Portland. Although they might still be out for them, it should be noted that CJ McCollum will be playing after recently returning from a collapsed lung. Also, we should acknowledge that we'll finally get a part two of the Hero versus Nurkic feud. In fact, rumor has it that the Hero brothers will be in attendance for this upcoming game to come to his brother's aid if necessary. <laughs> But, um, yeah, all jokes aside, what's everyone's expectations for this upcoming game? And do you guys see the Heat getting another win? Give us your prediction first, George. Look, uh, I just want to go back to a quick point that you made. Any any player that had one point and went one for 11 does not win Heat Play of the Week. 
It just, it just does not happen. I love Jimmy, but that was abysmal. It was abysmal, and he should be very upset. I'm just joking. He's fine. Um, no, CJ McCollum has a history of doing quite well against us. So, like he, he has on and off games, actually. He goes, last game, he had 17 points. Game before, he had 35. Then he had 33 four games ago. He does well, but he, he, he plays better when he's um, complimenting his brother. Sorry, his brother. He's... Um, He's he's a teammate in in Dame, but Portland have been a team that's been plagued with injuries over the last few weeks. But in the last four games, they're three and one. So, and if you go even further, they're five and one in the last the last five, um, the last six. So it's going to be a difficult matchup. It's just the way it is. Um, but this team is very unhealthy right now, and they're missing their star player. We should be, you know, frothing from the mouth to go after them now. There's there's no reason why we shouldn't win, but I don't make predictions after the Celtics game at the start of the season. It's it's traumatized me and I'll never go back to it. But I'm I'm gonna say that it should be a comfortable sort of game. It's another good game to get Bam back. He's gonna have his hands full with um with their front court as well. Not not a particularly great front court, but someone that you know some that can present issues in in uh, Nurkic as well. But it's going to be a fun game. It, Tyler Hero gets into a scrap. All he has to do is lob the ball up to Yo- for Nurkic, and he'll go flying out of the arena because we know how good his lobs are. But it, let's just hope it doesn't come to where his brothers have to come to his uh, his health because it's going to be dangerous if you see the Hero brothers versus Nurkic. Right. I mean, like the Hero Brothers, they come from the war-torn state of Wisconsin. I don't think Nurkic wants to smoke with them. But um, but yeah, quick, well, um, what do you think about this upcoming game? Um, I'm expecting the Heat to destroy Portland. Um, I'm not impressed by any of Portland's recent wins. They beat an inconsistent Wizards team, a Kings team with no identity, and a Hawks team that is among the worst defensive teams in the league, especially on the perimeter. Um, so I'm expecting the Heat to win this game and win it rather easily. Now, as opposed now talking about players on Portland who I think could give the Heat problems, uh, CJ McCollum is the one that comes to mind. But one player who I'm not uh, counting out is uh, Anthony Simons, who recently has played very well with a 31 point game against Sacramento, a 23 point game against Brooklyn, and a 31 point game against Washington. Uh, he can really score. So I think he's somebody that the Heat uh, have to keep on lock um, going into this game. Ray, I agree. You know, I, I predict the Heat to win as well. And, you know, that's actually a good point, Quake, you know, because Simons has been hooping. And honestly, if there's anyone that I should expect to have a really good game against us, I wouldn't be surprised if it was him. But, you know, this game will be big for Miami, not only because obviously you're trying to get the win, but also the Bulls will be playing uh, the Cavaliers in Chicago. So the reason why I bring this up is because if Chicago loses and Miami gets the win this next game, Miami will move up to the one seed. So to those who are constantly watching the standings, you know, let's see what happens. But anyways, you know, we basically covered so much on today's episode. I feel like it's time to wrap it up. So so I just want to say thank you all for listening to today's episode. And um, 
you know, if you want to check out more Heat vs. The World content, feel free to check out our Twitter and Instagram at HVTW Podcast while checking out our website at HVTWpodcast.wordpress.com. Also, make sure to check out Culture Shock, the Heat vs. The World's newest extension show, and the first Miami Heat podcast to feature an all-women cast. They just dropped a new episode a couple days ago with a very special guest, so you don't want to miss it. Once again, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. The World podcast, and we'll see you soon with another episode. We out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. The World podcast.